Welcome to the search for real answers in a modern world, where challenging topics are met with honest and thoughtful dialogue. This is Truth Seekers Forum. Secrets Forum. In this episode, we'll be exploring part two of a multi-part series centered on the Apostles' Creed. I'm your host, Devin Kleffer, and joining me today is Pastor Andy Lewis of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California, and Dr. Adam Nye, Professor of Systematic and Historical Theology at several undergraduate and graduate level schools in the Bay Area. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello, hello. Hello. As a reminder to our listeners, we've got a couple of ground rules that we always want to refresh as we get going. Number one, nothing is off limits. Number two, you do not know what questions I'll be posing to you. And number three, disagreement and some pushback is welcomed. So we are in part two of this series, taking a look at the Apostles' Creed. And for uh, just as a refresher, Andy, maybe you can just kind of Catch our listeners up in, in a yeah. very succinct, maybe 30-second, what is the Apostles' Creed? The Apostles' Creed is a kind of a summation um, of the totality of what the Scriptures teach us about the nature of our, our God and our relationship to God. And it goes way, way back. It inserts us all the way back to the beginnings of this thing called church, followers of Jesus. Okay, great. And so as we launch into part two, we're going to be taking a look at... The first part of this, and Andy, I know you've got it there in your notes, so yeah. if you want to just read this first part that we're going to be discussing in today's episode. In the last episode, uh, you, the host, brought up different trans modern English versions of right. it versus I'm reading from the more older English version of it so because it just feels right. It's more poetic. Right. Uh, but here's the first part we want to discuss. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and that's that's it. the first beginning. There's so much. But there's a lot. Yeah. There, yeah. And that's the amazing part, <laughs> yeah. right? That we're going to take one sentence and yeah. um, break it down into several different For ways. For somebody running going, I'm used to like a heavy duty beat. Like I listen to Foo Fighters. This is not inspiring for me to run my mile. But that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to keep it inspiring. I can beatbox while they run. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I can drop a rhythm yeah. section in the uh, final down. track. Not a problem. So where do we want to start with this, gentlemen? Uh, Dr. Nye, weigh in. Where, where would you like to begin this dialogue as we push off from the dock? Well, I can, I'll can. i jump in as you're thinking because one of the things okay. I think that's really important, we didn't weigh in with it first. I think a lot of people think spirituality is basically giving mental assent to a series of bullet points. Hmm. That is not what this is, particularly within the Christian faith. Okay. This, is, this is trying to get our heads wrapped around what is a relationship with an actual entity, person. And that's how this thing starts. It starts with this father figure, which is really interesting and really important when you think about how how unique that is, actually. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know where that, that would take you, Adam, but that's... I mean, I, I'm thinking through the language of, of that first line, and I actually kind of want to start with the first word, at least in English, the I. Mm. I think it's, uh, it's, it, it is expressed in the singular, the I believe in God. Uh, at least in the Nicene Creed version I'm looking at to compare it, it starts with we. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's an either or or like a better or worse with that. I think it's interesting just to think through yeah. how we address ourselves to our faith, both in the individual, that I believe this. And and, st- and I think for so many people that's such a foreign concept to do, to like 
if if I'm going to start a statement that says I believe, mm. it what I'm saying has to be spontaneous. It has to be just kind of out of my own head. Right. Um, the idea that I'm going to take somebody else's words and then make them as a statement of I believe this um, on an individual, personal level, I think is really interesting. And and maybe counterintuitive and actually probably really good for us. But I think <laughs> an interesting counter to that, though, is I think that we do that all the time with songs that we love. Totally. Right. With movie right. quotes that we love. Right, right. And when it comes to it this. It becomes our own. Right. Even though somebody else wrote it for some other thing. But when it comes yeah. to this larger issue, I yeah. think that there's probably more more pushback against right. that. And so, Andy, I want to actually ask yeah. you this. When it comes to launching into that, right, I believe or we believe, we believe. A, a lot of, of churches will – um, have their members, their parishioners, whatever we want to label them as, read this. Right. right? And we talked about dogma on our previous episode. So almost in a very dogmatic sense that we're going to recite this together. Right. Is there positive benefit from that? Is there negative benefit from that? Why would we want to do that? Well, I mean, there's power in repetition, you know, and particularly when the thing being repeated is something that's beautiful and the more they, you know, it's re- repeated over and over, you're mulling over the richness of mm. this thing that's being given to you. So that's really the power of it. Now, the negative can be that repetition becomes uh, automatic mm-hmm. as opposed to deeply meaningful. Right. But I think, you know, it's funny, you know, as I've gotten older, it's funny how when I was a kid growing up in the church, things that felt automatic, like mm-hmm. singing something, you, if you've ever heard this, if you're a listener, it's something called the doxology, mm-hmm. praise God from whom all blessings flow. We sang it every week. Mm. And because of its repetition, uh, that was actually the first song I learned harmony mm. on. Um, it's something now that I can go back to. And as I sing it now, spontaneously, even though it felt sometimes at times, yeah. a little automatic yeah. and not real so songs from the heart, right. it still had its forming element to me, it, it processed to me. Yeah. And I think that's really the power in these kinds of things. And Adam has mentioned that in previous parts of this, mm-hmm. I think in the last episode. So Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's forming your heart. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we think that the only thing that can be authentic is if it's coming from my heart. Mm. Well, maybe aim this at your heart. Yeah. I mean, it, it especially, I love the, the idea of a song. Like, this is our song. Mm-hmm. Let's sing it together. Yeah. And at that place, then the I and the we can be easily interchangeable. Because it's just as true of the me individually as it is of the us collectively. This is our song. Quick illustration yeah. of the power of repetition. Mm-hmm. Is everybody here listening can understand the power of repetition for some of the stinking narratives of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, you oh. had a failure and so you go, I always blow it in these situations. Mm. And there's power. There's real negative power in right. that repetition. But this is what we're talking about, the ability to uh, repeat over and over these life-changing truths that that really do form us as opposed to the shame train narratives that most of us tell right. to something that's very life-giving about who God is and the kind of relationship we're being invited into. So right. that's why repetition can be a very good thing. Totally. And that segues perfectly into like the next set of words that yeah. like – the what we're saying and what we're repeating to ourselves in contrast to our uh, the negative, uh, destructive narratives we tell ourselves is we're starting off by saying we believe in God the Father. Yeah. That we're, we're going right to the fact that yeah. at the root behind everything, the, the thing I start with is that there is a God who who is Father. He's mm. not – I don't believe in God the, the punisher. Mm. I don't believe in God the one who's just going to constantly – 
throw lightning bolts at me. Hmm. He is father. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting pastorally mm-hmm. is the, the level of dysfunction in North America about fatherhood and parenting is such that when people, de- you know, I deal a lot with people grappling with God as father. And so it's almost like what we have to convey is make sure we're clean, yeah. is when it says father in this and in scripture, yeah. it's saying good father, hmm. like 100% pure grade quality father. It's, it's speaking of the template of fatherhood, right, right. that like our earthly fatherhood, when, when we experience it being right. damaging, painful, broken, it's because it has become misshapen and, and uh, detached from the fatherhood that is God's, which is, like you said, right. entirely good. One of the writers of the New Testament, Paul says, I bow my knee to the Father, mm-hmm. which is one of these passages that's inserted into this, uh, from whom every... Uh, if every parent on earth derives its name or every family on earth derives its name. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is for, for what Adam was le- leveling is even the most sucky dad, mm-hmm. if he can take his kid's hand and go, I haven't done so well, but I'm going to put your hand in the hand of the one who's the true 100% pure grade father, mm-hmm. God the father, yeah. then you're doing at least a pretty decent job. Yeah. But yeah. let me push back against yeah, that though because absolutely. I do believe, especially where we're at, and meaning where we're at in history, mm-hmm. there is a lot of folks that would push back against one, either having a negative father experience right, right. or negative male experience, right. experience with a male. Yeah. Um, and, and then we also get into other issues with um, where we're at historically speaking, when there was just large pushbacks, if I can just say against all things men in some Absolutely, cases. Yeah. So, Again, right out of the gate, we're getting into this. But how do we, how do we legitimately overcome pushback against either I've had a bad experience with my own father, or I've had a bad experience with a man, or um, I, I'm a proud woman of the modern day era, and I'm, I, I'm not going to bow anything to any man. Or maybe like, maybe slightly more uh, positive in. in um something that might appeal to people in our culture, but more, why not call God mother? Right. Sure. Why, yeah. why is it unfair to only say God, right. the father? Shouldn't we say God, the right. father well, and, let me and add, or mother? And yeah. let me add to that question. Cause yeah. I know then you can take off from that. There's actually a song in the Psalms. God talks about, I am a mothering hen right. to my people. So there's actually a scripture that talks towards kind of the mothering aspects of God. But, and this is probably where you're going to go. It's not as often. Hmm. There's the, the, the vast preponderance of how God defines himself to us because yeah. God throughout scriptures is is so gracious in his, his stooping of himself in order to make himself somewhat sensible to us so in order that we can enter into relationship with right. him. It's about mostly father. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's a uh, that's where I think the, the the Bible and its authority over us puts us in a place that can be sort of, I, I will admit, it puts me kind of in a tricky place mm-hmm. when it comes to that our culture. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, kind of rebellion against not just the Bible, but like all human history's right. privileging of, yeah. of men. Yeah. Right. And so I, I am sympathetic to and understand um, the – the desire to make things a bit more uh, even and equal. And though at the same time, when I, when I look to scripture, there are metaphors for God 
And I think the mothering hen thing that's is the, like that. It's like saying God is a rock. Right. Hmm. The, the difference for me— It doesn't mean that God's a chicken with a wing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, even, and I also have to yeah. say there is a sense of metaphor in the name of Father because I don't mean anything biological yeah. or— um, Right. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sexual about that. And nor does God when that's the word right. he's using of himself in scripture. Right. But on the other side of that, I do think what the New Testament's you know central thrust is, is that God reveals himself to us in the Father sending the Son yeah. and uh, in the power of the Spirit and pouring out the Spirit. And so in the relationship of the Father and the Son, we come to know God at its at deepest level and God names himself for us in that event. The, in, and I think in the same kind of manner he names himself to Moses when he, in the burning bush, when he mm-hmm. names himself I am. I am in that moment mm-hmm. is using human language, and there's a, there's a measure of um, symbolism in that. But at the same time, it's a name. Mm-hmm. God's saying, call me this, not just speak of me metaphorically, but this is my name to you. Mm-hmm. And I think he fully fills that out in the New Testament with these names, Father and Son. So I, to the degree that I understand Father to be kind of metaphorically gendered, yes. at the same time, it's not a metaphor I'm free to just sort of play with and swap in my own as I find them more useful. I think God has named himself to us, hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, in the Great Commission, Christ says, you know, go baptize in the name of right. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. So I just don't feel the freedom to mess with that right. and then, as then much when as the culture might want us to. The disciples teach us to pray, our Father, yes. who art in heaven. Right. So, so that's where, like, as much as we might want to make yeah. cultural voices happier, and I, and I, and I, and I want to be a part of Absolutely. how do we advocate for the you know full equality of women yep. with men. Right. Yep. This is not a way... I think uh, the Christian is free to give the culture what it wants. And I'm not going to get into the whole history of this. And I know there's been accusations about Christendom, about how it's, you know, stomped on women. But if you really do your homework, even in the earliest days of the church, faith in Jesus and being part of the church has been revolutionary for women. Totally. Under the Father heart of God. Yeah. If you, like, really do your homework and you're not just listening to professors who are spouting off stuff that they read from stuff that they read. Right. So. Yeah. But we're not going to get into all that history. So we go on with, I believe in the Father. So all of our our chips are now in the middle of the table. We're buying in with the statement, I believe, right? Yes. We're we're all in on this. The Father Almighty. So Dr. Now, you brought up at the very get-go of this episode talking about how this wasn't originally written in English. Sure. So how was it – what language was it originally pinned in? Oh, man. I'm assuming uh, Greek, but I don't have the – Greek in front of me, nor am I a master of Greek. And I, <laughs> do I know the original word behind almighty? Please edit this out of the episode because... Are you this, kidding? I just made a doctor squirm in a seat. This is good. glorious. Good. Let's just talk about almighty. This is my new ringtone. <laughs> well, it just, but it shows what we just say in our disclaimer at the beginning. We're not prepared right. in advance. Yes, just right. Absolutely. Conversation. Greek so so um, when, when, it comes, when it comes to it, whether it's Greek, Aramaic, whatever, right? Um, basic in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, <laughs> when we talk about the Father Almighty, what, what should we gather from that connotation, especially the word Almighty? I actually think that's, that word might be as troubling and problematic in our culture as Father. Probably, mm-hmm. I mean, philosophically, maybe more so. Um, you know... It, because they're, I mean, and they're just as in with father, 
there is room for error. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking of if you import your um, experience of fatherhood or maybe mm-hmm. your vision of what the father should be if, if you're kind of a strong disciplinarian mm-hmm. and you import that into God and what it's saying, you could uh, have you could make some problems out of that. That's just as true, probably more true with Almighty. When people, their starting point for who or what God is, yeah. is just this irresistible force. Hmm. That uh, God is this um, this will in the world that will not be argued with. Yeah. You will do exactly what he says, and he will press you into submission. Hmm. That is a, uh, yeah, it's a fearful and dangerous image of God. Which is really important why those two words are put in juxtaposition. Exactly. Because you know it that that is true of God. He he is an irrepressible force who's a father. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You put those, those together, and then he's the as it goes on the maker. He's the origin origin of origin. Right. <laughs> behind everything. Right. Well, let's go ahead and let's go a little further down the path yeah. if we can. We get to that next part, maker, right? And we'll, we'll break that down of heaven and earth. And so, what does that? mean well what we're not going to weigh into is old earth young earth (laughs) all that kind of stuff you know because the truth of the matter is we'll just say this kind of quickly and you can add adam how you want to the truth is there are people who desperately love jesus who out of their own intellectual rigor some are very old 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 million billion quadrillion whatever earth and believe in jesus and there are some who are very strict 24-hour day, young earth right. believers. Um, so, and we're referring, of course, to that creation event that's cited exactly, in the first the creation part side of Genesis, of God, right? right? So whether so, it happened in seven literal days as we know it, whether mm-hmm. it happened over eons or whatever else, we're not going to get into that part of the debate on this episode. Right. And the names are creationism, evolution, Right. These kinds of trigger words. Right. Yeah. right. That's what you're saying we're going to. And, yeah. and then what's brilliant actually about these creeds is they, they avoid all that kind of stuff because the, what, what the scriptures are teaching is the simplicity of the, and the beauty and the mystery, simplicity, beauty, and mystery right. of who God is, that it's just revealing that every, we have been made by God and for God, mm. period. How all that actually happened in a test tube and all that kind of stuff, I think we'll only know in eternity when we get to go, how did that whole bang thing happen? Mm. So we're not going to kind of weigh into that. But but what the Bible does teach is there is an or- originator of origins, mm. and it is God the Father Almighty. Mm. And that's what Scripture is very clear about. Yeah, And you've got to grapple with that. And that's where I think that the pairing you brought up before about the fact that the the Almighty One is the Father. Mm. That And, and I... And I would love to hang out on that more, but it's good that we're moving forward a little bit uh, to talk about that the one that is the maker of heaven and earth is um, he is almighty. So there, there's no uh, limitations on his ability to order the world at his will. But at the same time, his will is all good. His, mm. his will is, is, is the almighty, unstoppable will of the one who is father. And I think as you, as you see, as we filled it in later in the creed with the father who uh, who has a son and the God who is father, son and Holy spirit. When you see that, that really fills in how good when you see what this God does, when he sends his son, Absolutely. we learn how good his will really is. Mm. And so that the maker behind all things, heaven and earth, and let's come back to that pairing too. But um, the, the maker of that is, is both things, all good and almighty. Mm. That's uh, a really important way just to sort of approach our world because it counters those narratives of, 
I'm just stuck in these unwinnable situations. I'm stuck in this world hmm. that just does nothing but break me, which can be experientially true, uh, deeply true for a period of life, maybe for maybe for someone's entire experience of their entire life. But what this tells us is that there is a reality deeper and behind that hmm. that speaks to a God who is on your side and can't be stopped. And that is unbelievably good news. Exactly. And I think the thing is, is that the modern human project is about, you know, isolating myself from everybody and building a life on my terms mm. in the way I would want it. Mm. And that, although that sounds really fun, it sounds like freedom. Ultimately, and I've had many conversations with people privately, people will arrive at a moment of clarity and sanity where they're like, I feel totally alone. Mm. I feel totally disconnected from anything and anyone within this universe. Mm -hmm. that, that's what happens when we kind of like, I'm going to do it all on my own. Mm. And what this thing starts with is saying, I know it may be terrifying to the individualized project of making up a life for yourself on your terms in this universe where you're all on your own and you get to do it your way. But that ends up in an ultimate and absolute isolation. And mm. in fact, but the saying is that every one of us is born into a universe that you've never been alone. Mm. You've never been not gazed upon. You've never not been loved. There is a Father Almighty mm. who's known you before you even conceived. That's fantastic. And, and so, <laughs> that's really good. And, and so let me ask this then. Uh, if that's true, yeah. um, I, I guess, one, why do you see or why have you seen, how have you seen so many people still push back against that. Hmm. Why is that still, why is it, why are people not running toward that? I guess is the better way to put that. Because it's the same thing that played out. I, I believe in the garden. If anybody wants to go read Genesis chapter three, there's still within us that same thing that tugged Adam and Eve to go. Yeah. Is, is this father almighty guy holding out a little bit or a lot? Hmm. Because he's all powerful and he – and so I think I got better odds if I take this on on my terms. Mm. And it's just – that's within all of us. It's within me as I mm. sit here. Um, even though that's not reality, that's disreality or unreality. Mm. Right. And it's the unreality that's being pumped into this world system by an enemy. Right. But it is not who God actually is. Mm. It's not. Amen. And, and let me just ask this because I know that – Doctor, you want to get onto the heaven and earth part of things. Mm -hmm. But when we read or when we hear, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and then maker of heaven and earth, how is that different from any of the other deities from other world religions? Yeah, well, I mean, the the little reading I've done, and I'm going to confess that I haven't done a lot of like, uh, there. Are, and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of good information out there about looking at the different religions of the world. But most of them have this deity that comes out of some form of chaos and sort of wins out over all these other opposing forces. Mm -hmm. And within the God of the Bible, <laughs> there's none of that. Mm. It's like, I was, I is, I will always be, I am here, I'm it, with a, with a southern drawl, apparently. Yes. Exactly. That's, that's, that's God's exact accent. <laughs> exactly how he sounds. Uh -huh. You didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. yeah I also, um, the, the contrast, yeah, especially within polytheistic religions where you have multiple gods who mm -hmm. from the beginning are at struggle. Right. This stands entirely opposed to that. On the um, Abrahamic monotheistic family of faiths Muslim, side. Judaism. Right, exactly. So Christianity, Islam, yeah. and, and Judaism. Um, within that family, 
if we only stopped there, we would actually be in very good company. If we just said, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you could have a total unity. Yeah. It's, it's what the creed is going to go on to say right. and say is equally true about God within that Trinitarian right. framework. That is the differentiation. Right. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and go a little further down the path with this part of it. Is And let's look at that, that last part of this initial phrase, maker of heaven and earth. And Dr. I know you wanted to weigh in specifically on that part of it. Yeah. It, that is actually, I think, a really fantastic clarification that God – uh, because even within biblical language, with the, the Gospel of Matthew consistently speaks of uh, the domain of God's work as the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. And so I think within popular usage and just the way we think, we think of, well, there's there's the earth where we live and there's the heaven where God lives. Hmm. And, and e- even biblically, that, that's not entirely untrue. But this is saying something kind of radical by saying God actually stands above both spheres. And the reason that's important is within the Christian life, just as we have this sort of above and below heaven and earth, what's above us, what's below us kind of thing, we we tend to play that out in a kind of, I'm going to use this kind of fancy word, um, a, a spiritual dualism right. in which we approach certain aspects of life as having a, a basic kinship with what's above. Hmm. These are spiritual things you might do. Pray, read your Bible, go to church. These are spiritual things. And then there are like earthly things mm-hmm. where pay your bills. Yeah, whatever, exactly. Yeah. Go to your job, mm-hmm. brush your teeth. And we tend to tell ourselves then that, okay, God has nothing to do with that part of things hmm. where really, I think if we're taking this, that statement fully seriously, it's saying that number one, they're both equal before God's eyes. God, God is the maker of, of all things that what's above uh, the Nicene creed adds, I think a helpful clarifying line to this all things visible and invisible, hmm. seen and unseen. So um, even within Christians, uh, we'll oftentimes think that, well, there's the visible world of like the carpet and my dog and my body. Mm-hmm. And then there's the spiritual world of my soul, angels, and God, hmm. right? The the unseen things. And this right. is saying, no, 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 you can't put God in the category of quote unquote spiritual things. God is above all. Okay. And then he is the God of all. He cares as much about you brushing your teeth and paying your bills and, and, and going to work and your carpet and your dog um, and your body as he cares about your soul hmm. and um, going to church and praying and all those kinds of things. It, it has a unifying and integrating effect when you understand God's godship over all things, right. heaven and earth. Right. Yeah. And so you, you brought up something interesting that I wanted to touch on a little bit. We started talking about maker of heaven and earth, which obviously brings us to the the seen and the tangible parts, right? Mm-hmm. So when we hear things, especially where we live at, we live at in this microcosm along coastal California where spirituality, air quotes, um, is readily accepted, right? right? Christianity, Jesus on the other hand, not so much, right? right? So when we talk about creator, maker of heaven and earth, do I have... God experiences in the woods? Is God lurking underneath every rock? <laughs> what does that look like? It's a, re- it's a really helpful question. Because, I mean, actually, it even kind of cuts against what I just said. That actually seems to be a more holistic approach. It's like I'm experiencing God, the spirit, in a sunset or in a hike through the redwoods or on a right. tasty wave or whatever right. um, <laughs> communicates God to you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's the thing. It's that... 
trying to understand exactly what Adam was saying, mm -hmm. that there's not this, uh, this split between the spirit and just the earth, which, by the way, is an ancient heresy called Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. But And there's a lot of that modern thinking even in the church. Mm -hmm. But... But then it, but the other polarity is exactly what you're talking about. Where then we become these people who are um, animists, which is a big term for God's in the rock, God's mm. in the sky, God's in the sunset, or the green tube wave, you know, or whatever. And that's not the case. God, mm. that's those are not God, even though God is very present in the things seen yeah. and unseen. God and the, is in the, the rock. whole thing. He just isn't the rock, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's very present, and, th and those are important words. That's right. why you're like, oh, and maybe as you're listening, you're like, oh, I guess the selection of words within dogma and creeds is really important, mm. right? Because these words actually are conveying what isn't and what is, right? And, right, and that. Yeah. So to speak within my own, like I, you know, I'm I'm the theologian here, not the pastor. But within my limited pastoral pastoral experience, experience. I, I've had a couple conversations with people who, in the face of some kind of specific teaching from Christ, um, will respond with a kind of hardness by saying, "You know what? I I I understand God. I know God. I've experienced God." And if I kind of ask, like, you know, I, I press them a little bit on it, they're like, "You know, I've I've had." transcendental experiences out in nature in, in, you know, in creation, I've experienced God in creation. And then that be, kind of becomes this, um, license for non-teachability where mm -hmm. like well, Jesus, he's, he's, you know, yeah, he's got some great things to say, but I don't need him to tell me how to live my life mm -hmm. and how to know God. I know God over in nature. And the concern that, you know, creates for me is just, you know, it should be kind of an obvious thing to say. A pretty sunset is a wonderful experience. I live by a beach and try to have experiences of the sunset at the beach as often as I can. And it is an experience of a gift from God. Hmm. A, but it's not the giver. Right. It, it's an Make the distinction. It's a yeah. beholding of, an, uh, of a piece of art made by God, right. but it's not God himself. And I'm only really having an experience of God in that moment if I understand that this is a gift from his hand and I have an experience of saying thank you to him, hmm. especially because of the fact that I can do so because I've been united to him through Christ. It's within that whole context, yes, I do think I have a wonderful experience of God, but the my eyes gazing at a pretty thing is not in and of itself an experience of God. And I think there's a lot of spirituality that would th that would tell people no yeah that that is that is a that is as much an experience of god as you could have uh reading your bible or at church and you know it, it, oftentimes this is the dichotomy we li we live between right i don't need to go to church i experience god in nature right i'm like well gosh there's some truth built in that but that truth is really getting in your way of understanding the whole truth right yeah so if that walk in nature just to clarify is, is a realization and an acknowledgement of the beauty of creation by the creator. Right. Then then that is a God experience. Totally. But the trees themselves are not gods. The birds themselves are not the gods. The sunset themselves are not the deity. And, and nor are they, I mean, I think everybody would say they understand that, but they would maybe say it's a manifestation of God. And okay. I, I want to say this, this statement on creation and the creed actually cuts against that. Right. Okay. That God, man, it'll go on to talk about how God manifests himself. Yeah. That's in Christ. He is the maker. He creates. Right. But as the, you know, if we go further down the tradition of dogma, it will, it will uh, interpret this phrase with an ex important Latin expression, ex nihilo. 
that God does not make creation out of himself. It is not a a bit of himself on display, a reflection mm. of himself. He creates it with its own integrity, with this radical act of creativity where he makes something brand new. Mm. It's not him. It's not this other thing like him. It's something radically different from him that receives his goodness, but is not itself him or his goodness or an emanation of his goodness. That's where these distinctions between right. um, uh, between him begetting the sun, which we'll go on to talk about later, right. uh, and him making or creating the world, that distinction becomes really important because then the sun becomes a display of who God actually is, where the creation becomes something God does and makes wholly outside of himself okay. or wholly different than himself. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, that's going to bring this episode of True Seekers Forum to a close. Thank you for joining us. True Seekers Forum is a production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To learn more about True Seekers Forum or Faith Community Church, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org. Wow.